Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Dave Liu, who is the founder and CEO of Lucrative, which is his own merchant bank. And we're actually, he's an advisor to CEOs. Dave is no stranger to Silicon Valley, has done a number of amazing things, which we'll get into in a little bit. But among other things, a cartoonist, a comic, a speaker, and a philanthropist. So welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me on. So Dave, really excited to have you on. Congratulations on your new book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior, Conquer the Corporate Game Using Tips, Tricks, and Smart Cuts. And I've only just started breaking into it, but it's a really interesting read. So thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about what I'm up to today. Oh, no, I think it's great. I think there's so much shared passion in trying to shape the leaders of the future. But I wanted to first start off because I always like to get the origin story. You and I are both in the comics. I want to hear your origin story. What got you started? I mean, your career was long in one entity, Jeffries, but you've done so many things. Where did it all start? Yeah, so it started really uh, from, I think, a, a place of desperation, if I'm being really honest. I was born in the US, but I grew up in Hong Kong. So I grew up in Asia. And then I came back to the United States to study at the University of Pennsylvania. I had Asian American parents, uh, as you do too. And my parents had uh, fixated upon me going to an Ivy League school. Uh, and University of Pennsylvania is an Ivy League. And so once I got in, however, their view was like, look, you know, now, now that you're in an Ivy League, uh, we can tell all our friends, you know, one of our kids is in Ivy League. You can study whatever you want. So I had a real passion for uh, math and I was good at it. And so I enrolled in the uh, art school at the University of Pennsylvania to study math. And I enjoyed it. But unfortunately, in the first semester of my freshman year, I got a call from my dad. And it was uh, not a great call. It was the type of call you never want to get where my dad said, look, you know, I got some bad news. Uh, My dad was a serial entrepreneur. And uh, like a lot of Asian uh, serial entrepreneurs, he didn't know the difference between uh, corporate working capital and personal working capital. So all of our company, all of our family assets were tied up in the business and, and he hit a really rough patch. Um, and so he called me and said, look, uh, I got some bad news. We're basically broke and you're on your own. And I know you're going to figure it out. Uh, if you need to withdraw from a pen, then you need to do that. But uh, I'm sorry, but we don't have any money for tuition, room and board, uh, even ramen noodles. Wow. <laughs> and so... For uh, probably a day or so, I panicked because remember, I was pretty young back then. But then I quickly went over to the career office and the uh, admissions office, uh, the bursar, and they were able to help me borrow the maximum possible and get uh, three work-study jobs. So I was able to stay in the school. And uh, fast forward four years later, you know, I graduated with about $100,000 of debt, which in 1993, was a lot of money. Oh, a ton and, of money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a lot of money even today, but I was really in tough financial straits. You know, my, my family was essentially at poverty level. You know, my mom was selling costume jewelry out of a Honda Civic hatchback 
And so it was really important for me to uh, figure out how to make money and make money fast. And so ultimately, that led me into Wall Street because as a junior, I actually had the opportunity to have a summer job at Goldman Sachs. And that gave me a small taste of what Wall Street was like. And what it really illuminated to me was really two things. One is that there was just a ton of money floating around that place. <laughs> I remember when uh, I had I was an intern, I was probably being paid around you know annual basis maybe like twenty five thirty thousand dollars a year. Uh, but there was artwork on the walls that was like a quarter to half a million dollars. And I was thinking, man, if these guys can spend that kind of money just on the artwork, imagine what the other uh, people around here make. So uh, first off, I saw that there was an opportunity to make a lot of money and get out of debt pretty quickly. And then second, more importantly, I figured out pretty quickly that I could actually be pretty good at it. Uh, I was always a good student and always, always really detail-oriented. And I had a knack for uh, math and spreadsheets. And the reality is when you're a junior person on Wall Street, uh, you really only need to be good at two things. One is you, you need to be an Excel jockey. You got to be really, really good at Excel. Uh, and then second, you got to be really detail-oriented, particularly when it relates to presentations and documentation. So I saw that I had you know, two of the requisite you know, superpowers you needed uh, to be successful. And so that's how I ultimately decided, you know what, I'm going to try this industry and see how it goes. And uh, you know, I ended up staying, frankly, a lot longer than I thought. But um, it, was a, it was really the beginnings of you know, Dave Liu from a, from a career standpoint. Yeah, well, that's a really powerful story. Uh, it's kind of like the opposite of mine, where uh, my dad was a corporate guy his entire career, uh, pretty much, yeah, 34 years at Kaiser running their pension fund. Uh, but the thing was that because of that, it was pretty much the whole stability thing, corporate life thing, just going to do it. And I, I was in corporate for over 22 years. Uh, I wanted to go back into the two superpowers and I'll tie this into our next segment. So I'm going to leave it with Excel spreadsheets and presentations being detail-oriented. But we're going to talk about this more in our next segment. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guest today is Dave Liu of Lucrative. You can find more about Dave at his website at liucrative.com. And that's where you can direct message him. Any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svin.biz. We're going to talk about Dave's book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior, Conquer the Corporate Game Using Tips, Tricks, and Smart Cuts, right when we get back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, special guest is Dave Liu. And his company is called Lucrative. He's the founder and CEO. And really, it's a merchant bank that advises CEOs. Dave has been involved with a number of unicorns and now has devoted his life to giving back. So welcome back to the show, Dave. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. Amazing story in our first segment on your origin. Uh, we were talking a bit. We're both Asian-Americans. We're talking about the expectations to succeed. You got into Penn or UPenn. And uh, you were talking about how suddenly rough patch in the family and you lost your source of funding for school and it's not a cheap school and how you actually, because of that moment, 
and graduating with $100,000 of debt at the time, which is a lot of money back then, how you actually quickly learn to adapt and survive on Wall Street. It's an amazing story. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not something I wish on anybody else, but it definitely, I look at it as a blessing, uh, not a curse. And I think that life throws you those kind of curveballs and you either uh, roll with it or you let it defeat you. And I definitely wouldn't let it defeat me. No, you certainly haven't. And so with that, an over two decade storied career on Wall Street, and now you're giving back in many different ways. I want to actually talk to you about your new book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior, Conquer the Corporate Game Using Tips, Tricks, and Smart Cuts, all based on your direct learnings in these environments, these cutthroat environments. What drove you to actually codify this in a book? Yeah, so it was really, I'd say, a combination of several things. One was that I uh, was uh, one of the very few minorities that rose uh, to the top at my investment bank. And I saw many, many people of color and women that flamed out or had challenges kind of at the middle management level. And because of self-reflection, I realized, okay, there must be something that I'm doing differently than these other people. And I started to think about how do I make sure that I uh, educate my two boys, because I have two boys, one's nine, the other's 12. How do I educate them such that they learn from their dad? <laughs> they learn from the mistakes that their dad made and, and, and the tactics their dad learned so that they can ultimately uh, optimize their own careers. Because uh, there's a little bit of a, a sidebar, Keith. I, I'm always shocked by the data out there about how many people are truly unhappy at work. Oh. And a lot of it, frankly, stems from uh, really two big things. One is feeling that they're undercompensated and therefore they're not valued as much as they think they should be by their companies, uh, or they are undertitled. They're not getting that promotion that they really wanted. And when I look at the statistical data, and then I look at anecdotally, like my network of friends and family, I see that all the time. I see people that are fundamentally unhappy at work because they are not fulfilling, in their view, their full potential. And as a good uh, Asian dad, I want to make sure that my boys don't encounter that. I, I really want them to uh, maximize their full potential. And to me, it would be a real crying shame if ultimately they reach some level uh, in their life and they're unhappy because they're not optimizing their full potential at work, whatever that may be. So we're, how this all really started was I started to codify and write down all the things that I did that I never learned at University of Pennsylvania. I also went to Harvard Business School. I never learned at Harvard. Uh, I've been through countless, countless HR and leadership training, and I never learned any of this from any of those places. And I started to write down tactically what were some of the things that I did that helped me uh, rise through the top, break through the bamboo ceiling. And it's really, you know, very tactical things like, you know, how did I make an impression in a meeting? How did I learn the lingua franca of an industry? How did I present myself? How did I develop relationships? How did I ultimately uh, fight for and negotiate compensation? How did I ultimately get the brass ring and that title, that role that a lot of other people wanted? And so I started to develop this uh, manifesto, I kind of joke, jokingly call it. I started to develop this manifesto 
And my intent was really to refine it and give it to my two boys when they graduated from college. Uh, I wanted to be able to present them something and say, hey, okay, here's all the stuff that your old man did uh, 20, 30 years ago. And I want you to read this carefully. And I want you guys to uh, maximize your full potential. And during the pandemic, several friends of mine, you know, reached out to me and said, hey, what's going on? What are you up to? And I told them, look, you know, my memory is not as good as it used to be. And so I've been refreshing some of my thoughts in this manifesto. And one of my friends said, hey, send it over. I'd love to take a look at it. And so I sent it over to him and he's a best-selling author. And he said, hey, man, you know, this thing could be a book. And, and I was like, no, nah, no, I, I don't want to write a book. That's a lot of work. And, and he said, no, 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 I, I really think this could be a book. And I actually think that you owe it to the world to publish this because there's a lot of good stuff in here that I think will help not just your boys, but will help anyone that feels they're um, underachieving or underrepresented in the workforce. And so that's how it started. And you know, I, I hired an agent. You shopped it to several publishers, two of the top publishers, one of which was Wiley, came back immediately and said, we'd love to publish this book. Um, their view was that every 10 years or so, a book comes along that basically says, like, the whole system is rigged, and the way you really get ahead in life is to follow these other types of rules. Um, and so they felt that there would be a big appeal for uh, my book. And so I started to uh, get going. I, I remember distinctly, I signed my publishing deal in December of 2020. And the uh, publisher wanted the book to be available for Christmas of 2021. So mm -hmm. I actually had to deliver the final first draft manuscript by April of 2021. So four months later, and I remember I saw my publishing deal and I went to my wife and I said, you know, I don't know what I just did. <laughs> you know, I, I think I just committed myself. Um, but, you know, I, I put my head down, I started writing and ultimately got it done. I will say that I'm so happy with uh, the way it's turned out. I've been able to share a lot of my story and my tactics with uh, people that are either uh, starting their careers or in mid-career. And I've gotten so many appreciative emails and messages back uh, from the community saying, hey, you know, uh, you, you have like an unbelievable number of tactics in your book. And uh, you know, maybe half of them were really applicable to me and half, you know, I couldn't really do, but the half that I implemented were, were uh, help, successful in helping me get promoted or helping me get, you know, that bonus uh, or comp that I wanted. And you've really opened up, you know, my eyes to how the game is really played. Um, so I, I'm, that was really my goal. And uh, I'm constantly out there talking to uh, lots of uh, young people and helping to educate them because uh, coming full circle, Keith, I, I really do believe that if uh, people can maximize their potential at work uh, and uh, play by the game, the rules that are required to, to get ahead in the game, I think that fundamentally people will be happier. And so in a, in kind of a, a circuitous way, you know, I think I'm spreading a little bit of happiness out there by helping people maximize more of their full potential. Absolutely. And Dave, I think to go back to what you said a few minutes ago, you start off with that there are two main things, two main drivers for people in corporate work, which is either they feel undercompensated or they feel undertitled. And that totally resonates with me in my career journey. And 
also wanted to touch on statistics. So you don't have to be Asian American, but Buck G and Denise Peck, two of my uh, mentors at Cisco Systems, two of the Asian leaders, when they retired from Cisco, they started doing self data analysis, which is now sponsored by a group like Ascend and NAP, that uh, in order to do it correctly on tracking how first in the Silicon Valley, how minorities progress in their careers, they didn't want to just do Asians, they mapped Blacks and Latinx as well, they mapped between men and women. And uh, without getting into too much granular detail, it, it is true that, say for Asians, they occupy maybe 50% of the professional workforce in Silicon Valley and only 10% of leadership ranks. And so when you're talking about how you can help people kind of growth hack their careers, it's always about the statistics. But it, anecdotally, in every one of the folks, including myself, when we talk about how uh, we had risen up through corporate, we each had a different journey. There was no formula. And you're not giving like the formula that worked for you that people can kind of get nuggets from because really high level, and I'll get more into it in our next segment, which is what is the difference between Eastern leadership and Western leadership uh, when you're starting off in your career? Well, we'll answer that question when we get back. I don't know if you know the answer. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guest today is Dave Liu of Lucrative. You can find Dave at his website direct message him at liucrative.com. We're going to come back more with Dave talking about his book, his life. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svin.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my special guest, Dave Liu of Lucrative. Dave is a Wall Street veteran and also involved with a number of Silicon Valley unicorns. Uh, Dave has devoted his life to giving back. Uh, we're going to get into his philanthropy a little bit later in the show. But right now, we're still talking about Dave's new book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior, Conquer the Corporate Game Using Tips, tricks and smart cuts all based on dave's own personal experiences so welcome back dave thanks keith thanks for having me back so in our first segment we got your origin story um truly a superhero our love our shared passion of of comic books uh in our second segment we actually talked about the book and why you wrote the book and that there's what i'll call a lot of growth hacking that can be gleaned from your book based on your own personal experiences um, I wanted to go back what we finished the last segment on, which is, have you ever heard what the difference between the Eastern style and Western style of leadership is? I Generally, I have. Uh, but if there, if there are particular areas you want to double click on, I'm happy to. Um, I, I certainly think that it's not just a leadership style, but it's just kind of a way of thinking about how you're involved in society. In my, in my estimation and in my viewpoint, those of us that are uh, East Asian of descent, you know, particularly Chinese, uh, a lot of it uh, stems from a fundamental Confucian uh, values. Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of that, frankly, was designed to create an orderly society that was largely uh, government and bureaucratically designed. Um, and unfortunately, that DNA flows through us as the ancestors and the descendants of our ancestors. 
And there's a lot of respect for that. I mean, there's, it's not a coincidence that particularly in East Asian culture, you know, our names start with our last name. <laughs> it's because we are the progeny of those who have come before us. And there's respect for elders and the respect for authority and the respect for rules and, uh, you know, order. And frankly, this is part of what I preach. The corporate game is a game and the rules are unwritten and the rules are constantly changing. And the style of leadership that's required in a Eastern version of Western corporation is very, very different. And so unless you're attuned to that, I think you're set up for failure, frankly. And I think that a lot of us, because of the legacy of where we were raised and how, how our parents were raised and how they were raised, and I'm speaking specifically about Asian Americans, I think you are requiring a new mindset if you really want to get ahead in corporate America. Yeah, I think that's a great um, illuminating response. I would also then say that in terms of how we look at things today, just generalizing this total dichotomy in terms of what we think about leadership styles in the East, based on the examples you're giving, a respect for elders, needing to have an orderly system to operate in, when you graduate from university and you go into a work group, you wait for the promotion and you perform. And as you wait and sit and wait, your supervisor, your leader above you notices your work and then decides to bring you up. That's just an overgeneralization. In the West, we actually describe more of a shooting star method, which is there is a bit of charisma. There is a bit of, I mean, there's definitely performance, but on top of that, there's all these soft skill things that I think overgeneralize is saying that certain ethnicities don't have those soft skills. That's usually written in performance reviews. It's usually hard to take, but it's really this misunderstanding that our ancestors, our parents have trained us start in corporate America and wait and do a great job and somebody's going to notice. No, I mean, one of the tips I learned early on in my career was when you volunteer for a project. Now the project, you have to know who the sponsor is. And when you tie yourself to that project and you do a great job on that, that is what's visible. That is not taught to your point. That is not taught in any business school, in any type of environment. You also, because my undergraduate was in organizational behavior. When you start thinking of the organization you're in and it has its own characteristics dynamics, that's what you're talking about in your book. Well, it's absolutely. And when you have the opportunity, like you and I did, to go from the bottom to the top, you quickly realize that what got you in the game is not what's going to help you win the game. And you're living it day in, day out. So you only really start to appreciate it when you kind of step away and you evaluate, okay, what was it that really helped me in my career? And one of the things that uh, I have observed throughout my career, working with uh, hundreds, if not thousands of uh, senior executives and CEO level people, is that there is one fundamental attribute that actually helps you a lot uh, as it relates to compensation and getting promoted as you go up the ladder, which is fundamentally and diametrically opposite to kind of the Eastern uh, viewpoint of how to create an orderly organization. And this has actually been validated by Harvard. Uh, they did a bunch of research on this. And what they found was that um, as you go up the corporate ladder, one of the attributes 
that actually uh, affects compensation and uh, promotion in a positive way is actually the less agreeable you are. So it's the people that stick out, that are not sheep, that figure out how to voice their opinion, regardless of the potential collateral damage that, that could have in the way people view you. And I know you're, you resonate with this because we've both seen this in corporations where you see people that rise to the top who are not the nicest people in the world, frankly. And a lot of them are sharp elbowed and a lot of them are very opinionated, um, but they rise to the top. And so when you look at that metric and you say, okay, it appears that uh, agreeableness is inversely correlated to uh, success on a, in a corporate hierarchy. Uh, and then you look at the way that many of us were trained by our parents and they were trained by their parents to have a high degree of agreeableness because that is required for an orderly society. You are not surprised that, frankly, a lot of us run into the bamboo ceiling and a lot of us in, encounter a situation where all things being equal, we're not being promoted. So that's one comment I'll make. The other thing, and this is related to this, and, I, and I, I give this counsel to lots of young people, particularly Asian Americans all the time. You know, when you're growing up and you're growing up in an Asian household, uh, it's a little bit of a cliche, but you're expected to be good at everything. When we come home with all A's and one B, what happens? You know, our mom or dad goes, hey, why'd you get a B in that? I don't care that you got nine A's, but you got one B. And we all know that. And, and we all laugh at it because it happens to be true. Right. And I think it's not, frankly, just Asian Americans. I think it's more of a, uh, a new immigrant kind of mentality. It's like, look, you know, we, we came over on a boat or we sacrificed everything to get here for you. And you got to you got to crush it <laughs> you, because all the weight of our lineage is on you. Yes. And so I can appreciate that. And I actually respect that. Um, and I probably, unfortunately, probably do a little of that with my children too. Um, but think about that for a minute, right? When you're a junior person in a corporate entity, uh, and maybe you're in a big company, so you're trying lots of different things, you, you might be in a training program or whatnot, then that mentality is actually pretty good, right? It's this idea that try lots of different things and try to be good at everything to create optionality for yourself, right? So that if you decide, hey, I, I think I'm gravitating towards more, uh, you know, uh, sales, or I'm gravitating towards coding, right? Being able to try lots of different things and being good at everything gives you a lot of those options. But then as you rise the corporate ladder, something interesting happens, which is that companies no longer want you to be a generalist. In fact, when you look at a lot of companies, there's usually one or two core things that they highly value in a company because that happens to be the root of their money machine. So I've had the opportunity to kind of work in lots of different industries, but I'll, I'll kind of juxtapose Wall Street versus Silicon Valley for a minute. Sure. So in Wall Street, it's all about revenue, right? It's all about money. And the reality is that the Wall Street business is a middleman business, which means that to generate revenue, generally, you need to convince clients to hire you. And so when you look at the corporate hierarchy within Wall Street, usually the people that rise to the top are really, really good relationship people. They're really, really good salespeople. And that tends to be the superpower 
that's rewarded as you go up the corporate ladder. Interestingly, when you're in, when you're in Wall Street, the entry level is not that at all. It's like I said with my origin story, it's being able to crunch numbers and yeah. be very detail-oriented. But that stuff doesn't really matter when you get to the top because you have minions to do all that stuff. When you look at Silicon Valley, the superpower that tends to be rewarded heavily are people with a strong engineering and product background. So if you happen to be, frankly, a little bit challenging to deal with from a personality standpoint, or you're not the life of the party, most Silicon Valley companies don't care. And in fact, when you work in Silicon Valley, you notice that very often where you know some of the most senior people in Silicon Valley companies are not charismatic at all. In fact, they're the kind of people that you run away from at the office party. Right. <laughs> You're like, okay, I don't want to hang out with my boss, right? Because I already have to deal with him or her enough at work. Now I just want to have a cocktail. So when you look at the corporate hierarchy and you look at the, the ability to rise up the ladder, what happens is that there really is one or two things that really, really matter to the company. And those are the things that get overly rewarded as you go up the corporate ladder. And the challenge with Asian Americans in particular is that you are trained from a very young age that you got to be good at everything. And the reality is that life is a zero sum game because we all have a finite amount of time. Exactly. It is impossible to be great at everything. And so what you've got to do as you are thinking about scaling your career is you've got to figure out pretty quickly what are the superpowers that are most important to this company that I work at and what is heavily rewarded? And I got to overinvest in those things if I'm deficient and I got to let some other things go. And so anecdotally for me, I was really good at lots of different things, you know, when I was rising up the corporate ladder. But then when I was in middle management, I realized that, you know, what gets rewarded is people that know how to sell, people that know how to build relationships. And I wasn't frankly good at that. I was actually pretty terrible. And so what I decided to do is I started to over-index on honing that element of my skill set. And I was deficient in a lot of other things. I'll, I'll admit that I'm not a good manager. Like I'm, I'm actually a pretty terrible manager, but I couldn't be both a great manager and a great salesman at the same time. And frankly, Wall Street doesn't really highly value great managers. That's right. why there's the cliche about most Wall Street bankers are terrible managers because they happen to be terrible managers. But they but when you look at the senior level, a lot of them are really good relationship people. And so coming full circle, Keith, if you're Asian American, I think you need to come to grips with that, that at some point in your career, particularly as you're moving up the ladder, you're going to have to let some things go. You're going to have to over-index and focus on areas that you're deficient, that the organization really values. And you're just going to have to accept that I'm not going to be good at everything, but as long as I'm great at something that the, that the organization really values, I'll be okay. Great insight, Dave. Thank you so much. I think that's a good place to pause and encourage people to go out and get your book. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to Dave's website, Lucrative, which is L-I-U-C-R-A-T-I-V-E.com. You can direct message Dave there. Dave, don't go away because on our next segment, we're going to talk about the pivot, some of the projects you're working on, but great to have you on the show again today. Thanks, Keith. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Guest is Dave Liu. If you have questions about what we talked about today, you can email us at info at svin.biz, and we'll be right back to close the show. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. 
Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. I've had a very enlightening conversation today with Dave Liu, founder and CEO of Lucrative, which is Dave's merchant bank, where he's actually advising and helping CEOs and future unicorns. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me back. So, Dave, I really enjoyed uh, most of our conversation today has been on your origin story, as well as your new book, The Way of the Wall Street Warrior, Conquer the Corporate Game Using Tips, Tricks, and Smart Cuts. I've appreciated that instead of a book about strategy, you're actually giving a lot of practical and tactical advice on how people can growth hack their careers. I'm likening it to the Sun Tzu art of war for your career. So thanks again for being on today's show. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to talk about, this is called the pivot, the segment, but really it's all about how do we transition? How do we change? So how are you, because you're in this philanthropic mode, having done all this in your career, how are you applying this and how are you encouraging people to adopt these techniques to then growth hack their career, but also impact society? So I think that fundamentally, as Asian Americans in this country, we're in a very precarious position. And I think that the way that we ultimately are going to bolster and improve our position in American society is through a couple prongs. And these prongs are areas that I'm heavily focused on. First and foremost is economic. We've got to improve the economic situation of Asian Americans in this country. And contrary to things like the model minority myth, not all of us are super rich and right. super successful. In fact, that is a minority of a minority of us. Well, I, I, want, I want to jump in really quick there because I speak on a lot of uh, DEI, diversity and inclusion environments. And uh, one of the most shocking things that even my Black and Latinx friends is when we talk about Asians as a grouping, when you separate out uh, certain ethnicities, the actually most underserved communities are Southeast Asians, Hmong, Laotian, Cambodian, Thai, and they are far below the economic ladder, so to speak, than people would ever realize. So go ahead. Absolutely. And I encourage people to look at some of the census data that came out last year. There are some very interesting pieces of data in there that are surprising even to me. So for instance, I am Chinese Filipino. My mother is born in the Philippines and Filipinos actually have the highest per capita income in America versus even Chinese. And that's shocking to me. It's surprising to me. And I think that looking at the data really illuminates some of these points that, that you and I are, are making. So I think that part of the way that we bolster our position in this country is by more economic power. And contrary to us all wanting to be uh, Jerry Yang of Yahoo or Eric Yuan of Zoom, the vast majority of us are going to have to work and work for the man where we're still a minority. And so my book is really part of my gift back to the Asian American community, because I believe that if more of us can break through the bamboo ceiling and reach more senior levels within corporate America, then in effect, we will be bolstering our economic role and economic power in this country. So that's one major leg of the stool, if you will, where I'm focused. The second is media and media representation. I get really frustrated that even to this day, when I spend time in Hollywood and in the entertainment business, that it is still very, very frustrating for Asian American filmmakers, actors, directors, writers to be treated on par 
with other ethnic groups. And I think part of the problem is that we're not part of the establishment and we're still viewed as the other. And even though there have been some great successes like Shang-Chi and Crazy Rich Asians, these are still films where the only reason why we are still in the lead role, we being Asian Americans, is because it's an Asian American story. We are still very far from a situation where mainstream films where the actor or actress can be Caucasian are selected to be Asian instead. And so it's really important to me to support Asian American filmmakers, whether they be producers, directors, writers, so that their stories and their faces are more closely represented on film. Because I want to be in a world for my children where they're no longer viewed as Asian American, but they're viewed as Americans. Exactly. And I still think we're a long way away from that. But I strongly encourage Asian Americans to go into the entertainment business and go into those areas where they can tell their stories. And even things like what you're doing with this uh, radio show and podcast are super important because as you share with me, I think you were really one of the only uh, Asian American uh, commentators for a really long time in the Bay Area where there's a massive Asian American population. So that's, that's kind of the second prong. Uh, and then the third, which is loosely related to politics, although I'm not heavily focused on politics at all, frankly, is news. So I'm the vice chairman and uh, partner of the founder of Asia Am News. Mm. And we are a nonprofit and we are out there as a volunteer network trying to continue to write the stories that are important to the Asian American community. We are really frustrated, frankly, that the news cycle has all but abandoned the Asian hate crimes, which still continue to this day. Even yesterday, there was yet another gruesome attack in Oakland by someone against an elderly Asian woman. I saw that. I think that the way that I can help is by continuing to provide capital, donation, resources to news outlets like AJM News that are focused on helping to tell our stories. Because unfortunately, what this news cycle has proven to me is that the mainstream news, the mainstream media just doesn't care about our situation as much as they used to. And unless we keep telling the story, we will fade into the background. And we just can't let that happen, given our role and our desire to make this country better, frankly, for Asian Americans. So those are a few things that I've been involved with. And I strongly encourage Asian Americans, particularly young Asian Americans, that if they want to make this country better for them and for uh, their descendants, that to get involved in media, in news, in politics, in those areas that, frankly, historically, we have underrepresented. Well, Dave, thanks a lot. I think uh, those are very powerful points between the politics, news, and media, things that we can influence. I'm going to end with this because I think it's really relevant. Even though um, we're both Asian American and our show, Silicon Valley Insider, focuses on many different innovators, disruptors in technology and in business, your book, The Way the Wall Street Warrior Conquered the Corporate Game Using Tips, Tricks, and Smart Cuts, 
will resonate with Asians, but will resonate with anyone who is trying to advance their career. So I want to make sure that people are clear about that. It's not a book written for Asian Americans. When Dion Lim was on my show and she had wrote a book called uh, Make Your Moment and Hang Black, who is an executive of Juniper, wrote her book. They both wrote their books geared towards women. And I told them when we came on our show, it's actually good for, just like I'm telling you, your book is applicable to anyone who wants to be more self-aware and understand how they can actually take control of their own lives and their careers. And so I'm going to end with that. Yeah. And I obviously, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> so once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today is Dave Liu of Lucrative. You can find Dave at L-I-U-C-R-A-T-I-V-E.com. You can direct message him there. You can always email us at info at svi.biz. And Dave will be back on our show soon. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN.